Hello and welcome to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. And my name's John. And together we're Henry and John back in November with your favorite talking topics. This is the second November of Zero Credits. I guess you could say October is October. How? I wouldn't. You wouldn't say that? I don't think so. Oh, okay. I think I'd say something better. What uh, What would be better than that, John? I mean, I can't really know unless I'm in the moment, but maybe, like, you might say that October has flown away-tober. <laughs> flown away-tober? Yeah. You might say that October is oct-ended. Oh, oct-ended. That's a pretty good one. Better than the yeah. one you said at first. Well, the one I said at first I didn't come up with, so I guess there's that. Oh, never steal. It's not stealing if there's no... I mean, it's a joke, John. It would be like trademarking a knock-knock joke. There's no stealing if there's no attribution. (laughs) Exactly. And everyone knows that great writers borrow... Wait, no. Good writers borrow, great writers steal. And that, of course, was said by Keats. Which one? William. William Keats. William Bernard Keats, W.B. Keats, keep up. Are, are you serious? Is he, did he really say that? Pfft, I don't know. Because it comes from somewhere. So let's see where it came from. T.S. Eliot. Oh, that's another name. He probably stole that. <laughs> probably. I, I mean, uh, part, of, part of the teaching of writing is just attributing quotes to people who never said them. To T.S. Eliot. To T.S. Eliot specifically. You know, like, Uh, fail better. Of course T.S. Eliot said that and not Samuel, wait, no, Samuel Beckett. You know who I like to attribute things to? Who do you like to attribute things to, John? Percy Shelley. He doesn't get enough credit. What did he do? Uh, he wrote... Nothing. Prometheus Unbound. Is that the one about Prometheus not untying a shoe? Uh, untying himself from the Caucasus Mountains. Okay. And there was an eagle, and there were a bunch of singing spirit ladies. I mean, if you talk about Shelley, the only Shelley that I care about is Mary. Oh, Mary Shelley Frankenstein? Yeah, Mary Shelley Frankenstein. Uh, it's actually Mary Shelley Frankenstein's monster. Yes, of course. <laughs> That's her full name. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, and, <laughs> it, not a lot of people know that. People wondered where she got the idea of Frankenstein's monster, and it turns out that she people misread just her writing her full name at the top of the paper as the name of the book. You know what they say, the only difference between fact and fiction is that fiction has to make sense. Mary Shelley. Mary Shelley. She said that. Uh Uh-huh. Why don't we kick off this episode with a little, uh, a little point of order. Ing. Okay, so do we... Is there a coin flip? Is that is that what point of order means? Well, I mean, we're doing a kickoff, so we might as well flip a coin. Hold on. Is that a coin that you're jingling? Okay, so we get to see who kicks it off. Call it in the air. Ready? Uh, both of us call it in the air? Yeah, both of us call it in the air. Ready? Right. Uh, three, two, one, in the air. Tails. You lucky son of a bitch. It's heads, which means I get to pick who goes first. And you it's didn't you. call anything, though. You said both of us call it in the air, and you didn't say anything. 
I called it in my head. You can't do that. Uh, I didn't make the rules. All right, kick off. Kick it off, John. Kick off our point of ordering. No, the thing is, when it's heads, I get to choose who kicks off, and I chose you. Oh, okay. Because I will receive the kickoff. And I guess we're going to go in that direction. Because that's the other part of the kickoff. Oh, what? Uh, the, The winner of the kickoff gets to pick if they want to receive or defer... And then the other team gets to pick the direction that they're going in. Okay, that would make sense. Yeah, just so you know. A little, little, little drops of knowledge. I learned a little. Alright, see, I just want to do a little state of the podcast and talk about, you know, how we're doing, what we're doing, you know, why we're doing what we're doing while we're doing it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And so, uh, John, how do you feel about the podcast? Uh, I feel good about the quality of work we put out, mostly. Uh, I will be the first to admit that there are some weeks where I really feel like I phoned it in. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I feel like the last month we've been doing really well. I feel like it's given me a, a zeal for editing the podcast that I haven't had in a while. But, yeah. And I feel like we're we're headed in new, exciting directions. Okay. But, you know... I got the yeah. podcast doldrums. <laughs> to, to frame this a little bit, I mean, we're just coming off our month-long event, The Frightened Times, in which John and I, like, revamped sort of the format of our podcast with special episodes featuring, like, short story introductions of a continuing narrative and articles that we read of, of our favorite unresolved mysteries and, like, so we're coming off putting in, I would say, 100% more effort in the podcast than we normally would. At least 100. And, and so now we're reverting back to our the, the prior format of the podcast because it, it, we couldn't continue doing that without like a theme, you know? And November, I mean, has a theme of being thankful, but that doesn't really carry the full month. Yeah, and we're not overly thankful for things. No, uh, I am. I am famously uh, non-thankful. Oh wait, yeah, we we did like a an unthankful thing, didn't we? Did we do an unthankful thing? I, I think we might have done like an unThanksgiving or something like that. We might have done something like that. I just know that we threw you a surprise party, and you never said thank you. Oh no, I hate surprise parties. Yeah, but you're still supposed to say it. Uh, No, sorry. Uh, A surprise party is like the opposite of a gift to me. Well, I mean, if... It's like like if you would stab me in the stomach. And and so I I don't thank people who stab me in the stomach. Okay, so in the future I will understand that surrounding you with friends and alcohol is stabbing you in the stomach. (laughs) Yeah. No, well, I mean, okay, if you put it that way, that, I mean, I like being with friends. I like being with friends and alcohol. I don't like being the center of attention. Okay, I get it, Henry. No one will ever go to a party with you ever again. That's not what I'm saying. We can have a party. I have etched the phrase, parties okay. for Henry are like getting stabbed into my skin. Uh, this don't make me the center of attention. I don't, I don't want that. I never wanted that. Okay. That attention is a knife to specifically my stomach. Oh, you ever heard of the attention is a knife? Is that a thing? Uh, Joan Didion. 
are you are you attributing things to to writers again? Yes, I am. Okay. So, so yeah, we're just we're coming off that that new format, experimental format, and you're probably as a listener thinking, okay, so are they going to do that again? Are they are are what 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 am I going to expect this and other episodes to be like? And the answer to that question is, John. Oh, I think that you should expect us to play around with the formatting of zero credits a little bit. Uh, this week is kind of a bye week for zero credits. Uh, kind of going back to the old format, chilling out a little bit, collecting ourselves from putting in more effort than we're used to. But I am fully willing and open to messing around with zero credits in the future. Yeah, I feel like we need to experiment with a system of peaks and valleys where the peaks are like the Frightened Times Month long event. And the valleys, if you will, are more like plateaus, really. Because it's gonna, it's, we're still gonna hold ourselves to a high standard level of content, but they're gonna be more of what, what you're used to, more of what you, like a, a normal episode of Zero Credits. Yeah, so if you're a longtime Zero Credits fan, we're not like ripping you out of bed and throwing cold water on you and hitting you with snakes. No, <laughs> I, I would never want to do that. I'm sure that's that's some level of assault. Yeah, no, don't do that to people. But we're also <laughs> not doing that to you. Yeah, we don't want to. We don't want to jump scare anybody into like this weird foreign concept, and and then have them like have that be a turnoff. They don't want to listen to us anymore. But hey, variety is the spice of life. Yes, and to that end. We are gonna, we're gonna do similar event things. And so you can look forward to basically like the major holidays. Oh, the major Judeo Christian holidays? Well, the major American bank holidays, I guess. <laughs> okay, so the, the Federal Reserve 13. Yeah, the Federal Reserve 13. That's the schedule of our fancy episodes. What the fuck are we gonna do for Columbus Day? Uh, not acknowledge it. As I feel like that is probably the best recourse. I, we skipped it this month. We didn't, or last month. We didn't even no, notice that it was happening. Yeah, because uh, Columbus Day is in October, so the Frightened Times go and eat that Columbus up. Exactly. Like having a, a holiday in October is a mistake. That giant, uh, that giant Halloween monster is just gonna eat Columbus. Just eat him right up. But, uh, so, I, I would say look forward to something maybe special on Thanksgiving. Sure. And maybe look forward to something special at the end of the year. Oh, you mean, uh, I daren't say. Well, we're gonna rename it. Yeah, we'll, we'll rename it. You know what, long-time Zero Credits fans, in addition to not whipping you with ice-cold snakes... We are also going to be doing a similar thing that we did last year, a storied tradition, but maybe we'll put a little spin on it. Yeah, I feel like we, as we near the entrance of the third year of this podcast, which I'm rounding up a bit, I feel like we need to observe what we've done in the past and revamp it to have as much quality, if not more, as what we put into the Frightened Times. Yeah, exactly. All right, and I think that's where we stand as far as what the plan is for this podcast is. So, old Zerocrats listeners, sleep sound in your bed, understanding that icy snakes will not dance on your head, 
and new Zerocrats listeners, get used to this new change shit, because it's going to be icy snakes all the time. Yeah, icy snakes that are thrown on you to wake you up. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and that's what I is that is that what everyone means when they say stay woke because they're afraid of the icy snakes being thrown at them? I mean, that's the subtext. That's the subtext. Sorry yeah, if you if phone. you want to be if you want to be obvious about it, everyone yeah. else just knew what stay woke meant, but you had to blow it up on a podcast about the ice snakes. Look, if I'm not bringing the hard hitting, evidence driven content to our listeners then what what good am i i guess we just need to update urban dictionary to talk about this icy snakes definition yeah i mean we got to get that in pronto so people can vote it up is that how that works yeah and every time something reaches the top of urban dictionary it ceases to be a word oh wait so like you're voting it out of existence well, once someone fully understands the meaning of a colloquialism, it slowly loses its meaning until it dies. <laughs> what? It's just like how fuckboy used, used to mean something, and then people defined it, and now it's a useless word. Well, yeah, but, but now people are adding boy to the end of everything. Like, the, there, are, there are spicy boys, and there are Halloween boys. It seems like you can... Almost put anything in front of the word boy, and then that means something. Uh, have you have you Henry, seen that? You're killing me. You're have killing you... me with trying to define meme culture. I'm, I'm just not over here trying to blow a fat plume and get my 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 vape boys under control. I'm over that... here with my fidget spinner, and you're telling me, oh, everything is boys meme. I... I'm just trying to understand it, John, because I don't know where these things come from, but I, I come across them. You're out of your element, old man. Why don't you I'm... go back to the golf town? You're older than I am. You're out of your element. I'm very much mentally younger. You uh... might say, I'm mentally a child. <laughs> I don't know how to take that. Uh, I'm just going to drink this simple syrup and play with my Game Boy. Wait, simple syrup as like the drink mixer? You're going to drink that straight? Oh my god, why don't we just add simple syrup to Urban Dictionary now that old man what Henry's defining everything? Oh I'm my not... god. What What else is this podcast for if not trying to understand and I guess by extension define cultural happenings in today's world isn't that what we set out to do i mean if, look if we're gonna be defining everything what are we gonna define like what a podcast is i think that's i think that's already been well defined john yeah but like people get it but you can't read about it in your dictionaries old man i'm pretty sure podcast is in the dictionary fuck I mean, podcasts have been around for at least, I want to say, 15 years now. Shit. Pack yeah. it in. I feel like podcast and YouTube kind of happened at the same time. I mean, YouTube's, what, 11 years old? Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, 11, 11, 11 to 15? It Was it 2005 or 2002? I think it was 2006. Oh, 11 years. I think so. Man, that's crazy and sad. Well, the internet's getting older. As are we. And yet it's acting younger every day. Hey, that's because, look, 
you you put these kids in front of iPads, they're just going to make memes all day. Yeah, and they're just going to call everything boy. Oh my god, here we go again. Henry putting boy at the end of words. That's not me, it's the internet. The internet's doing that. Look, Henry, I can't have you ruining this podcast, boy. What's a podcast, boy? Oh my god, wanting to define podcast, boy. It's like a podcast, Henry. Look it up. Do you want me to look it up? You want me to look up podcast, boy? No, you can look up podcast because it's in your lame golf neighborhood dictionary garden. Oh, I just get... I, I understand what you're doing now. Oh? You keep mentioning golf and golf neighborhood and golf town, and I, I recently read an article that, quote, rich millennials are moving away from the 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 clubhouse, the golf course-centric neighborhoods to farming central neighborhoods where there's like a, a farm in the middle of all the houses. Oh, you mean an agrihood? An agrihood, if you will. Yeah. Wait, are you, are you, defi- are you, wait, are you defining things? Are you putting labels on things? You're trying to understand it. I can't do the voice like you do. Wait, hold on. I'll fix it. Agrihood boy? <laughs> I, yeah, agrihood boy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just read that and, uh, I just had, I, I made me question, uh, if you track the narrative of the millennial generation, we, we we don't have jobs, we, we don't we're not buying diamonds and all this, but suddenly in this narrative, rich millennials exist? Yeah, I don't think there's I mean there are clearly rich members rich people who are generational cohorts of millennials, but also millennials make significantly less money than their parents. Yeah, so I mean that could be a reason on its own why they're moving away from the 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 golf course centric neighborhoods because those those tend to cost a little bit more. Oh, absolutely, and I mean the the thing that people most commonly misunderstand about millennials is just that millennials are a generation for whom uh, conspicuous consumption is an evil. Yeah, and. I mean, people who belong to generations that are not millennials and people who are kind of out of touch uh, tend to uh, demonize or overly mystify or try to understand the motivations behind this viewpoint. And it leads to them, like, painting millennials with a super wide brush. And millennial basically just means any consumer under 35 that you don't understand. Yeah, I mean, at a certain point, the media has to admit that this this millennial group is as faceless as every other group they write about. That I mean, there's no specific people they're talking about when they say millennials. They mean we happen to notice a trend, and for no, there, there's no better label to put on it. So let's just call them millennials and call it a day. And I mean, maybe this is just me speaking from a pretty limited worldview. But let's examine the underlying cause and effect of a golf neighborhood versus an agricultural neighborhood right all right so in my mind an agricultural neighborhood would be objectively better than a golf neighborhood a golf neighborhood is like perfect conspicuous consumption people make enough money to dress a certain way attend a certain club and play a certain sport on an area of the Earth's surface that has been specifically engineered for this purpose and does not provide 
any useful resources other than recreation. Yeah, the the main export or product of a golf neighborhood is the clubhouse, is is the 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 course itself, which only serves as a a recreational tool. Yeah, what it gives you is pleasure for the rich. Yeah, you know, no poor people are playing golf. And if you have like an agricultural neighborhood, now I don't know how these work entirely because God knows I don't live in one because I'm a poor millennial. Yeah. But if you look at an agricultural neighborhood, that's something that steers away from conspicuous consumption. And you could say that it might be like virtue signaling or whatever. But it's people getting together to understand the process through which they receive sustenance. And you have kids being raised in that environment in which they understand the effort that goes into producing their food and how useful each, like, acre of land could possibly be. And I think that's objectively better than a golf course. Yeah, it's a back-to-nature sort of uh, vibe that will... I mean, no offense to millennials, but a majority of them are only consumers, we are brought up in the consumer culture. It's not our fault. Mm-hmm. But we're not used to seeing people sort of produce a product or produce something that can be used around the house. We're more in line with the we, – we, we see people buying things. And I think that something that perplexes people about the generation that we are a part of and they generally shorten it to farm to table is the the parlance that they use yeah. the verbiage but i think that the more accurate depiction of how millennials like to consume and once again this is painting with a wide brush but generally we are the first generation in a while to be interested in this farm to table lifestyle but it's not we want to know that our food is coming from a farm before we eat it It's we want to remove the layers of obfuscation between us and the stuff that we consume. It's kind of like seizing the means of consumption. Oh, seizing the means of consumption is a great turn of phrase. Yeah, because instead of having all of these these middlemen, these, these other farmers or factory farmers, and then the, the processing that goes into that, you can just be the source of your food. You can just grow your food yourself. Um, and it, you're just removing so many layers of, of bureaucracy and, and consumerism and capitalism that if more people would turn to neighborhoods like this or, or a living structure like this, we might actually be able to kind of re, re, recapture some of the layers of of living that we've willingly given away. And that's something that, and I've been reading a lot about like mindfulness meditation stuff. So this might be horse hockey, but that's something that if you look at the world in the last hundred years, not the world, the United States primarily in the last hundred years, you see that prior to world war two, you had a generation of people for whom getting, goods of a certain quality was pretty difficult you had to do quite a bit of you know hard work if you were working in america from like 1900 to 1935 and you still have to work in america now regardless 
but a certain quality of life was blocked off to you unless you worked very hard or you were very wealthy. Yeah. And then after World War II, uh, after kind of this boom in, in globalism and production and technology, we had a generation of children that could have the things their parents never could. You know, their parents could go to a supermarket and buy breaded chunks of chicken flesh that are frozen in a box. Yeah, I mean, after World War II, America was at its its peak, its riches. Like, the economy was the best it had ever been. The The industry was booming just because of all the factories that were, were created to create weapons now could pivot into the private sector and, and keep all of the infrastructure that the government had paid for. And so you, you had a lot of, you had just tons of products that, and everything was getting faster. It's just like everything was more convenient. You didn't have to work as hard to get as much stuff. And that's something that carried through to the generation immediately preceding millennials, like Gen Xers, is we had this, the society that pushed a certain level of consumption on people for just the fact that it's easy. And you had people who were, were drinking the Kool-Aid on conspicuous consumerism because you could afford a level of life now that you could never afford before. And over time, since the baby boomers, we've been slowly rejecting that philosophy and adopting this kind of, uh, rebellion seeking authenticity and i think it's just like the distance between us and the generation who worked hard to create that economic environment like the baby boomers really didn't need like they had everything handed to them by the generation previously the gen xers to an extent are a continuation of that but toward the tail end of the gen xers they started, these things are starting to run out. And so it, it becomes this weird angsty thing where it's like, we've created a system that will not hold. And then the millennials are sort of the, the logical conclusion of the Gen, Gen Xers where it's like, well, we're not going to sit around and complain about the, the system that won't hold. We need to find alternatives or else the system will, will fall apart. And the system is our way of life. And we don't, we're not willing to let our way, way of life just fail. We're going to seek alternatives and see if we can sort of kickstart maybe an, a generation that will work hard again. Because if you think about kids who are going to be growing up in these agriculture-centric neighborhoods, uh, they're going to see all of the effort that it takes to get something. Like the, the, the farm-to-table thing, all of the effort that goes into putting that salad on the table – so maybe we'll have the this new generation of kids, and this is hopeful thinking, will be able to 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 work harder or or understand all of the work that needs to go into something to make something. And if I could be very grim for a second, okay, uh, I too am hopeful. I think that the generation that we're part of and the generation that our generation is raising will be more aware then we are, we'll, we'll try harder in the search for authenticity. You know, uh, college degrees have never been pushed harder, but we're also starting to create an environment where people don't need a college degree or people can get uh, a Votech degree or something like that. Yeah. So the future that our kids will have is more branched than ours was, but we also have to be so, 
so careful with what we consume because it it is cool that we are becoming more knowledgeable about what we consume but we have to be so much more knowledgeable than we are right now for it to make a difference yeah i I mean this is like the first signs of a change and who knows what might happen like the change might not actually occur this is like you know, the the sparks that might light a fire, but it might just as easily be trampled out by the forest ranger, to use a weird analogy. But yeah, like the, you know, if you, if you look at the generation we're part of, we are dilettantes. We're dabbling in the idea of being conscious. Because, like, I grow my own basil, and if I could, I'd grow my own tomato plants. And there are a bunch of people for whom this is true. They say, I don't want things being shipped and put in plastic and put in a supermarket, then I pay way more for it. I want to nurture the thing myself because that's a system that I know. But I'm also going to go out there and buy a smartphone that has an unbelievable environmental impact. Yeah, and, and there's no there's no getting around... You can't grow your own smartphone. Uh, yeah, like, to to keep match with technology that we're comfortable with, you have to make a lot of really significant moral compromises. Or even in your food. Like, let's imagine that you're someone who filters your own rainwater. Okay, you got one of those big barrels. Yeah, you got a big barrel and one of those big tarp net things that tapers at the bottom and you filter with condensation and you get your own rainwater and you're recycling all that. If you have one almond, it takes like 55 gallons of water. Yeah, almonds are insane. But, I mean, that's true of everything. Like, eggs take like 100 gallons of water each. The amount of water we waste is nuts. And, And... The factory farming, the unethical treatment of animals, like, you're, every time you, you purchase products that are easily packaged at your local supermarket, you're unknowingly or knowingly, like I do, making ethical decisions that you might not agree with, but you gotta eat, so you compromise in a way that you might not be okay with. I mean, I live my way, live my way, I live my life in such a way where I make as few moral compromises as I am comfortable with. And that makes yeah. the thing that I do is like a little more extreme than what some people do. But like, even my way of life is completely unsustainable. Yeah. Like, you know, I'll, I'll go out and buy like a $15 meal somewhere. I'll buy a carton of almond milk that's like hundreds and hundreds of gallons of water. Like cashews... Yeah. The food waste is insane, and I recycle every day. I take a a huge batch of recycling, I donate all my clothes, I recycle pretty much everything I can, and I'm vegan, and still like, what good am I doing? This is very grim, by the way. (laughs) Well, the positive truth, or the positive side of this, is that we can only do the best we can, and as individuals, we can't solve the problem. But we can mitigate the contribution that we make, you know, reduce our own carbon footprint and maybe try to convince others to do the same or just recycle for them. I mean, I think the biggest overriding goal every human being should have is uh, to minimize negative impact wherever possible. And, And really, like, 
we're, we're tr- the the dream is that we we mitigate these damages long enough for Elon Musk to invent some type of device or system that fixes everything. Oh yeah, we're still waiting for Superman to save our asses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- this isn't going to save the world, but it might buy us enough time that's for some rich genius engineer or inventor to step up and say, I've got this new trash compactor that literally creates water out of nothing, out of garbage. It's like we're all trapped in a mine collapse and we're rationing our air and food in the hopes that the mole people will save us. Exactly. (laughs) For you conspiracy theorists out there, we're waiting for aliens to arrive with superior technology and then they're, they're like, why don't you just put your almonds into this device and now they grow without water and then the aliens are like and now you're our slaves and we're like but slavery's not cool and the aliens are like we haven't gotten that far yet (laughs) their their advanced technology but their their moral ethics have not caught up to us that's actually a very prevail uh prevailing theory about alien species they're very ethically backward yeah oh (laughs) so i i I think the takeaway from all this is, you know, notice these trends and these we, we, we've offered maybe an explanation of the of these trends and also just to sort of reduce what you can with the knowledge that it'll never be enough. Whoa, it won't. It's not that it'll never be enough. It's that it can't be enough. Well, but yeah, you can delay your demise. <laughs> Exactly. We're we're trying. It's like everyone has these campaigns, save the earth, save the planet and all that. A more realistic approach would be, let's delay the death of the planet. Yeah, delay it for as long as possible. Yeah, let, let's wait. Waiting for Superman, like that Michael Moore documentary about education. Oh, I didn't realize that was that. I don't know if it's Michael Moore. I just know it's a documentary about education. It's probably Michael Moore. Yeah, he's the only documentarian I know the name of. Oh, I mean, I know of other. I know of Super Size Me. I don't. I, I don't know the name of the guy. Oh, Morgan Spurlock. Is that his name? Yeah, he sounds like a warlock. Oh, that's Morgan Warlock who made oh. actually Super Size Me. Oh, with oh, magic. Because, yeah, you can change people's actual sizes. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Uh, John. Oh boy. If I, I'm going to pivot, if you allow me to. Feel free. Uh, what would you say is the purpose of our podcast? What is the purpose of our podcast? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. I, it's not a trick question, because I feel like we, we've said the purpose of our, of our podcast before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to. I wanted to make this a little bit of a conversation. I didn't want to railroad. Oh, well, I think the purpose of our podcast is to... Uh, examine things that are happening in the in the current times and in the human psyche and try to understand them as the best that we can even though we are not experts like we are the opposite of experts and from an everyman's perspective we try to uh put a lid on the things people are thinking about that's a great summation of the purpose of our podcast. That's awesome. Fantastic. Great. Yeah, you did a great job. I uh, should probably co-host this podcast. You should probably... You know, y- you got the job. Okay. Um, so no second interview? Great. 
What? But unfortunately, like you did great. You did awesome. You did. Uh, I guess I. What is the? What is the implication? What is? What is maybe a side effect of our purpose? Um, with the understanding that we're not experts, we try to inspire people to sort of look it up themselves, right? Yeah, look it up, Would you dummies. Yeah. What if I told you that that sort of thinking is also the basic premise or the 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 thesis of a very well-renowned flat earther? Oh? Uh, NBA star Kyrie Irving. Oh, Kyrie Irving. You might have heard of him. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who haven't heard of him, he's an, he's a basketball player who has been very outspoken about his flat earth theory. Maybe not his flat earth theory, but his belief in the flat earth theory. Oh, I had no idea. That sucks. Yeah, uh, this has been a recent thing, and, uh, he, he did come out and say that he was, quote, trolling the media. However, in a recent interview with his coach, uh, some certain elements of this trolling came to light. I'm going to quote him. Uh, the whole intent behind it, coach, it wasn't to bash science, he said. It wasn't like, it wasn't to like have the intent of starting a rage and be seen as this insane individual. When I started seeing comments and things about universal truths that I had known, like I had questions. When I started actually doing research on my own and figuring out that there is no real picture of Earth, not one real picture of Earth, and we haven't been back to the moon since 1961 or 1969, it becomes like conspiracy too. Oh, okay. Um, where is the exact quote I was looking for? Oh, here it is. The separation that, that I can't stand is because I think one particular way, then there's a, a tirade of comments of who I am character-wise, he said. The only intent was for people to open up and do their own research. It wasn't to, okay, let me figure out and go against science. Let me go against what I've been told is right and all this stuff. The only intent was to wake up and do your own research. Well, that's a... It's a noble intention. Very noble intention. Uh, the execution is lacking. I mean, I like Kyrie Irving, and I like the Cavs. Uh, but, but uh, I mean, do we want to start a podcast where we just say a series of things that are false and then make people do their own research to prove us wrong? I... I, I... That is, I don't see, I, I don't think that falls into the intention of our podcast because we try to do something that's well researched or researched enough and discuss it to a point, as you said, to put a lid on people's thoughts, as in like help them, give them like a, a handlebar to lift themselves up into their own exploration. But I feel like we want to give them stable ground to, to go off of. We don't want to give them a rusty pipe. You know what's uh what's you know my favorite college classes? What's your favorite college classes? Where the teacher just tells you blatant lies and there's <laughs> like if you want to know what's actually up, I guess Google it yourself. Yeah, yeah. That's really yeah, well, stoking the fires of people's imaginations. <laughs> this, when the teacher 
where the professor stands in front of the lecture hall and goes, this is a series of lectures aimed to provoke your sense of curiosity. I'm going to list a, a series of statements that may or may not be true. That's up for you to decide. Uh, air is water. Oh, false. <laughs> but like, I had to look it up. Sorry. <laughs> I understand. But like the crazy thing is, is like he wants people to do their own research, but it seems like he hasn't done any of his own research. I just want to wake people up and tell them to do their research. Like, did you know that there are no real pictures of Earth? Every picture of Earth is flat. Where are those where are those 3D pictures? Yeah, well, where where if the Earth is round, show me in the picture where it's round. Yeah, show me a show me a picture of a round object, not a disc. Yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, you know, let's you know. Sometimes there are satellites, right? There are it's... satellites that don't have geosynchronous orbits, and the Earth moves beneath them. But that's not real. Yeah, no, it's not like NASA has a live feed from the International Space Station of Earth. That you can go to at any time and check out. It's not as if the movements of the objects in the sky are predictable, mathematically proven ellipticals that are based on the fact that they're orbiting in space. It's not even that, like, certain radio lamps don't work without bouncing off the ionosphere. It's not like we, we understand this on a physics level and use it for communication. And I mean, you know, it's it's not like it's not like there are oceans which would just f- fall off of a disc. <laughs> well, no, the oceans in space. What would oceans do in space? Yeah, in space, like on a disc, because they wouldn't in... stay out. They wouldn't stay at the edge. Yeah, in the disc world series, where the world is a flat disc. That is sitting on top of four, the backs of four elephants on top of a sea turtle flying through space. Uh, the, the water does fall off the edge into like this weird vacuum waterfall type thing that kind of spreads droplets throughout space. I don't know how they never run out of water, but they don't. See, Henry did his research. <laughs> and that's from, yeah, I mean, that's the fictional. He knows what's happening. So. Kyrie Irving, understand the space turtle first. Yeah, first understand the space turtle. To make apple pie from scratch, first you must understand the space turtle. Margaret Thatcher said that. It's true, the greatest artist of all. (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't couldn't resist. Uh, Yeah, that's infuriating for a lot of different reasons. Oh... He had this whole... What a ca- bullshit ca- thing, by the way. Hold on, <laughs> I want to talk about this. There's more... There's no, 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 this... I don't want to necessarily talk about the, the flat earth thing. But I want to talk about the fact that so many fucking dumbasses out there are like, uh, do your research. I'm not saying my opinion's right or my opinion's wrong. I'm just saying make your own mind up. You're wrong. You're super wrong. Like, you're it's, mega wrong. And this is the stupidest defense of that. It's, it's a, it's a cover your bases thing that doesn't cover any bases. Like, it's like, it's trying to make, and this is a trend that's been happening for the, I want to say the past five years or so. It's trying to turn 
scientific ex- or like accepted fact or accepted theory and turn it into opinion. And that is such a easy thing for celebrities to do. Like regular people really can't do that. But because we deify celebrities, if they're like, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. What do the facts say? It's because we treat them with such esteem that that sentence makes us give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and it feeds into this weird notion we're all taught in an elementary school, or I think it starts in elementary school, like the difference between fact and opinion, and we we hold on to the the idea that opinions cannot be wrong. That's mm-hmm. what we learn. Facts can be true or false. Opinions cannot be true or false. And so we, we're trying to they, they they try to warp knowledge into this this area of non-wrongness where I can't be wrong because it's my interpretation of the facts and therefore it is my opinion. And it, it, it all of it is is a giant shield from being wrong. Yeah, like we, we are trying apparently to live in a world where there's no such thing as truth. Like there's no such thing as a fact. There's just a series of opinions. Yeah, let, let's get rid of objectivity altogether and all we have is a series of conversations that we can we all we, the, the ongoing conversations that will never end about a series of of subject so, you know non it's everything's up to interpretation now it's just like no we need red to be red we need numbers to be numbers we need things to hold on to for the rest of everything to make sense let's not start from square one every conversation and we, like, as a society, are so willing to accept the most, like, preschool rhetorical traps for anything like this. I feel like if people had said, you know, 20 or 30 years ago or whatever, and if someone was just like, hey, I'm not saying vaccine, 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 I'm not saying vaccines are good or bad. I'm just saying we don't have all the answers. Like, if that was just a person, like, fuck off, Carol. Like, no one, that's not a thing that people would listen to. But if you're a celebrity, I'm like, we just don't have all the answers. It's like, oh, I guess they know. Oh, or it's like, oh, they make a good point and they're also attractive. It's like, of course we don't have all the answers, but we have enough answers to know that it's better than not doing it. Exactly. It's like, we we can only, in life... In life, we can only make the best decision. We we never know when we make a decision if it is the right or wrong decision, and through the consequences we might know in hindsight, but it's impossible to have all of the answers. But what we do have are answers, some of them, that give us insight on what we should do. Yeah, like there's a there's a an existing body of research that's like you probably shouldn't drink your own pee. But there are celebrities and there are people, like real people, who are like, I don't know, those scientists say you shouldn't drink your own pee, but what if it makes me live forever? What if they know and they don't want us to find out because they're scientists and all they do is make medicine to to sell us in pharmaceuticals? It's all big pharma. I mean, I'm as distrusting of Big Pharma as a lot of people, but I feel like the low-level insidiousness of the culture we live in has made people so afraid that they'll just believe anything. Yeah. If you can put a face on the boogeyman, 
then you are better than a person t- trying to say live in fear. It's like, hey, we have a corporation, Monsanto. Monsanto's like, use our genetically engineered soybeans to feed your cattle. And if you use our soybeans and you don't buy a license from us, we'll put you and your whole family in jail. And everyone's like, that seems pretty evil, Monsanto. And Monsanto's like, yeah, I guess it's pretty evil. And then everyone else is like, and GMOs are bad. I'm like, hey, hold on. Nothing about what happened prior to this makes me think GMOs are bad. Yeah, yeah. Just because one thing is bad doesn't mean everything is bad. But also, they need to work on containing their super crops that cannot be killed by, uh, what is the word? Weed killer Mm -hmm. that are choking out, like, plant life along highways. Oh, yeah, and Monsanto's a bad corporation, and I'm not saying they're not. But But that doesn't, yeah, that doesn't mean GMOs are bad all over. We're like, doctors will prescribe me medicine I don't need, and it might give me a side effect that I don't want, and they prescribe that because pharmaceutical companies pay them money, so I shouldn't vaccinate my kids. And it's like, you took that slightly farther than the conversation required. And usually... Usually the way it works is, you know, these pharmaceutical pharmaceutical companies have commercials on television that say like ask your doctor about blank or if your if your heart is strong enough for blank. And, and and then usually patients go in the doctors and they ask about blank and and the doctor gives an opinion and that's usually where the well I get I might get paid if I give this patient blank. They usually don't apropos of nothing suggest medicine like they usually go for the generic it's it's dumb it's dumb that celebrities get away with this shit (laughs) celebrities have a weird status where their word becomes interpreted by thousands of people and so people who are not used to selecting their words carefully they just talk Yeah, and and I mean, some people become famous because they deserve to be heard, but the great majority of people become famous because they're lucky and hot. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really the two rules. It's like, be lucky, be hot, be good at sports. Famous. Yeah. Or just be good at, be good at acting, which is a skill, but part of that skill is being hot. Yeah, it's an integral part of the skill. Yeah. Um. I think the saddest part about this Kyrie Irving interview is, is kind of how it ends where they leave it. Um, he talks about how the pictures of the footprints that Neil Armstrong left, and he, he, he doesn't remember Neil Armstrong's name, how those pictures are different from the ones they show in the museum, which is not true. Um, but he ends it with, I just want to know these things. I have questions. I just want to know. That's all I want is to open up and have that conversation. I just wanted to have that conversation. That's it. I wanted to actually know or ask other individuals. Bro, excuse me, Coach and Sue, do you really think this actually happened? I don't know. I don't know either. I just want to know. I just want to know. Yeah, that seems a little pleading. I don't think it was said maybe in that that exact way. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know the tone. I only, I have only listened to this. I don't, I don't know the his tone or anything like that. But just reading those words, it sounds like to me, I'm interpreting this. 
as a cry for help. I mean, it sounds like a cry for help. Like, it's said with enough emphasis. And I think that a lot of people are in the same position that Kyrie Irving's in, is that if you don't have a basis to trust from, it is very difficult to find the answers. You know, that's how a lot of conspiracy theorists are born. They just, something in their their upbringing or their brain chemistry or whatever makes it hard for them to have a baseline and they want answers because as human beings we just want to know what's up and and the sad thing is they don't want to accept the words from others they really don't want to trust the evidence they want to trust their own eyes their own thought processes and so until a device or a machine is invented that can take them to the answer like that can they themselves can experience it they probably won't be swayed and that that's the sad reality and i mean to some extent i can understand living your life that way a little bit because like the thing that i do uh, until i started doing it i had no idea the things that were being kept from me about like the things that i eat or the things that i enjoy and when it all opens up to you it feels like a full-blown conspiracy theory and i think that would be true for anyone who gets deep enough into anything especially considering how much misinformation there is out there like it must be mind-blowing to be a very skilled very lucky athlete that the entire world listens to and then to have something happen where you just don't have a baseline to go off of, and it's like a full-blown conspiracy theory just exploded. Yeah. When you find out that there are things that people know, and only certain people know them, and as as this raised status individual, you now have access to a little bit of that. And so you think, what else do people not know that certain people know? And it's always worth noting that, like, celebrities are generally young and they are kept out of being super in touch with regular people. Yeah. They're they're in their ivory towers of fame with with everything but the answers. Everything but the answers. Yeah. It's... And to a certain extent, like, I don't believe what I read until, like, I check the source, I check who funded the study, like, is is Kellogg telling me that breakfast is the most important meal, or, or is it actual scientists who are doing this? Like, I'm very skeptical of the things I read, too, but, I, I mean, the difference is, like, at, at a certain point, when the evidence is starting to stack, y- you have to, you have to start listening, and y- you have to take you know, even if you're wrong, you have to admit that, oh, that seems at least plausible. Because that's the first step. Yeah, it's not a defensible position to, by default, take the one with the least evidence and then say, prove me wrong. You should be taking the one with the most evidence and go, oh, prove me wrong. Yeah, I-, I mean, like, the burden of evidence is on both sides. So, not only... Do like you have to listen to people. You have to pro- provide your own evidence, and then listen to people explain why your evidence is good because they might do that, or why your evidence is not good. <laughs> and I mean, I think that we're both rational people, and most people on this earth are rational. 
If you there was a preponderance of evidence tomorrow that the Earth is flat, my opinion would change. I would be skeptical, but if I was provided with s- sufficient information from trusted sources, I would change my opinion. Yeah, like, it, it would take NASA coming out and explaining, okay, wait, guys, the Earth might actually be flat. Like, if that happened, and if, like, you know, well-known scientists, I, I'm going to lean on the, the, the famous ones, like Neil deGrasse Tyson, and if Bill Nye came out, even though they're more entertainers, in my opinion, than scientists, but if they agreed, then that's when you start going, oh, okay, how? But then, of course, you have people for whom... Uh, Kyrie Irving coming out and saying the world is flat, uh, that is their scientist, that is their celebrity, that is someone they hold in esteem and trust. Who can you trust, Henry? Non-entertainers, non-celebrities. It has to be a nameless, faceless scientist who their only claim to fame is is their name on the byline of the study. Trust the most boring people. Because the boring people, hopefully, the thought is, the boring people won't lie. But who knows? I mean, there there are people out there who are willing to lie for attention. Yeah, I mean, there are a bunch of them. Yeah, almost everyone. Most of them work for corporations. Most of them are PR people. Damn it, PR people. Yeah, that whole whole sector of individuals. Damn them. Hey, look, if you work in PR, you can go pound sand. <laughs> or if you're one of the good people in PR, you can go watch your your colleagues pound sand. Yeah, take pictures. Hashtag take pound pic- sand. Exactly. <laughs> raise, raise some raise some public relations. Yeah, is that they don't really raise relations; they just handle them. They make them making connections. They, yeah, they make them. You're right. Uh, so oh. something happened, Henry. What happened, John? I got mad, and then a whole bunch of time passed. Yeah, that's that that tends to happen when people get mad, but I I feel like we had a fruitful conversation about the topic I wanted to talk about. Yeah, I just kind of I kind of blacked out from being angry about thing. Well, I mean that means you're going to be surprised when you listen to it and hopefully you'll be surprised in the good way and not in the bad way. Hey, I mean look, just I want to look at the evidence myself as to whether or not I'm surprised. Take it from me. I don't have an opinion. Oh, no. <laughs> I, mean, I don't mean that in a bad way, I mean, but it's just like, I'm not going to evaluate what we just did on air in front of our listeners because that seems a little self-serving. Look, we'll just, we'll look it up. We'll look for articles. We'll try to figure out whether I was surprised or not for next week's episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll try to figure out if you were surprised or not for next episode. What? I said episode totally fine. Oh, okay. Uh... I let's said it's fine the, and normal. Let's let the evidence talk about that. Okay, fine. We'll look it up. We'll figure it out whether or not I said it right. And then we'll uh, we'll have to go from there. All right. That sounds great. But I, I feel like we're bringing this uh, train analogy into the station analogy. Yeah. Well, it's an analogous train and a figurative station. Oh, thank you. Yeah. No, you can't have a, a station analogy. <laughs> Why not? Because what's a station analogous to? A rock? Oh, that is pretty good. Neither of them move. Neither of them move. Both of them accept trains. 
Well, I, I mean, an, you can make an analogy for anything. All they have to do is share, like, one or two traits. Oh, yeah, a pen. To what? A pencil. <laughs> pen Good is luck, to... Einstein. Pen is to pencil as saber is to sword. Oh, oh, like an SAT question. Let me try one. Give me two. Give you two, like, things? Yeah, give me something that's analogous to something else or whatever. I'll make it work. All right, how about cup and bowl? Cup is to bowl as big cup is to big bowl. I think that's technically correct, but also... Woohoo, analogy! All right, <laughs> we'll let it slide. Uh... <laughs> if you have your own analogies you want to send in... Oh, yes. Henry, do the social media plugs. Okay. <laughs> Wait, are you uh, ready? Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. One, two, three, go. If you like what we're doing and want to let us know, we've got ways for you to do that stuff. All you have to do is contact us through various things, like our Twitter, which is at ZCPCWHJ. And of course, that stands for, John... Oh, zero cops, panhandle, coins, watch, hawks, jump. Why are you so good at that? I got Um, a brain... Wait, what? I got a brain. Oh, thanks. Yes, once again, that's at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. Or you can send us a longer thing in an email form at the email address zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com. It's always open, just like a Walmart. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook by searching for Zero Credits Podcast in the Facebook search bar. We're on iTunes, where you should rate and subscribe us. <laughs> rate us and subscribe to us so you always get the latest episodes as soon as they drop. And uh, give us a review. Sometimes we're on Twitch at twitch.tv slash zero credits, where we play video games and do similar things with our mouths like we talk. And I think that's all of the things. Uh, and you I'm got really... one more. You got one more. Well, let me think. What? There's what? one place where you haven't told people to interact. Our hearts and minds. In the real world. What? Like tell like when I when at the end I tell people to tell their friends about the podcast because word oh, of mouth is That's right. Please tell if you like our content, if you like the show, if you like the frightened times, tell a friend with your your mouth, not our mouth. You you tell spread the word. Tell the give them the li- the URL to where they can listen. Help us out here, because we want people to listen. We want as many people to listen as possible. That's that's the whole the whole point of this little venture that we're doing. Tell people. All right, I'm Henry, and this has been Social Media Plugs and Time. Oh man, who who? That's hard. how do you do that every week? I uh, I don't know. I train meticulously every day. I wake up. And there's a halo hanging from the corner of my girlfriend's bed. Girlfriend's four post bed. Uh, yeah, no, that was a good time. You did, you did it in good time. All right. Well, that's, 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 that's the thing that happened. There's time to improve and, uh, you can try it again, uh, maybe in another year and a half. All right. That sounds great. And, uh, of course, there was no theme this week because we were just, Having a conversation, so sorry for you theme guessers. I know you love that. You can look forward to that in an, in an upcoming episode. Like all other theme guessers, just add this 
podcast to the skip list. Yep. <laughs> Official theme guesser skip list. I mean, it's on the wikia, it's true. Yep. Oh, man, that wikia. Such a good wikia. All right. <laughs> From everyone here at Zero Credit Studios, we want to wish you a happy week. And I hope you have a happy tomorrow, and then another six days after that, making one happy week. Yep, that's how John chooses to see the world, I guess. Take it one day at a time, man. It's all you can do. One day at a time in seven-day blocks. Bye! I I killed the podcast. Bye! Shelley.